1: Spinning one, one. is a oh, bonus.
0: Mentor. Oh, Miles oh. Turner, bringing that smoke. And now McDermott again, right to the rim with authority. Flogden gets around. Oh, down. Yeah. No. Yeah. Skies
2: high
1: for the jam. Warren lets it fly. Yes. Pacer Nation, what's going on? Welcome back to another episode of Setting the Pace, and we are finally back at it after rescheduling this podcast about three or four times. <laughs> We've got Mark in the studio, Schindler and Ro- uh, Rhett on the road, Bauer joining us today. Guys, how are we doing?
2: I'm uh, I'm doing pretty good. Alex, how are you doing, man?
1: I'm I'm, I'm glad to be back talking Pacers basketball. It's uh, this week off has been different, but I mean it's yep. it's been good. But I'm uh, I'm ready to watch some Pacers basketball. But Rhett, how's it going over there, man?
3: Oh, not too bad, just uh,
1: multitasking, so uh, hopefully. <laughs> well, well, there we go, so uh, just want to jump into it because it was breaking news last night that Ryan Saunders from the Minnesota Timberwolves was let go of his job, and I know this is not Pacers related, but it, it just kind of brought back that memory of going through the coaching search in the offseason, and a name that was very popular here, Miss Finch was, was the name that Uh, A lot of Pacer fans were excited about possibly being the coach here. It was mentioned as maybe a front runner. He joined Toronto staff, and now he's taking over Minnesota in the middle of the season. Uh, Talk to me about this. It's kind of crazy.
2: Yeah. um, So I was mentioning this to you guys before we got on. I was like – I was just totally taken aback. I was watching the uh, uh, Sixers-Raptors game when the news broke yesterday. And, uh, I mean, my first thought was – okay, cool. I mean, Chris Finch is a really good hire. I expected him to be a head coach last summer or maybe t- in this coming year. Um, and, but then immediately I was like, this is weird. Like I knew Ryan Saunders cause I've, I've talked to a lot of people with Minnesota recently. We, uh, we, I mean, the Pacers just played them. So I I'd been in touch with some people and I just did a longer project on, uh, on the Timberwolves freelance. Um hearing this was like, it's not surprising that Ryan Saunders got fired per se, but the timing was so weird. Um, You know, like I, I think it came very out of nowhere and talking to some people again today, like very out of nowhere. Um, And also too, it was just shady. I thought yeah. Um, I get that, you know, Chris Finch had worked previously with Gerson Rosas, the, um, the current GM of the Timberwolves when they were both in the G league and Chris Finch had been an assistant in Houston when, when Rosas was uh, was working under Daryl Morey there. Um, but it's just, it's a very weird look for an organization to hire somebody full time uh, just after firing somebody in the middle of the season, normally it goes to an interim and like you look at uh David Vanterpool is somebody who has been interviewed to be a head coach. He was largely brought to Minnesota to become a head coach. I think there was, there have been talks about him, you know, either moving on from there this season or, or, you know, even as far as if Ryan got fired, that David Vanterpool would be the head coach kind of been waiting there. I'm not sure that he's even going to be on the staff, frankly. Um, It's (laughs) probably a slap in the face to him. I mean, like, I mean, think about it. Like, they could bring in an entirely new coaching staff. Like how weird would that be to bring in a head coach who has, not, I mean, maybe he's worked with some of the guys on the staff. I'd have to look, but you go from an entire, it's, it's like a regime change in government, you know, like you, you bring in an entirely new person. They're going to want to bring in their own people.
1: Right. Right. Um,
2: so it's just a really weird sticky situation. I get that they wanted to hire um, their guy, but it's a kind of a slight to, uh, to David Vanderpool. Uh, definitely a slight to Ryan Saunders. I get why you fire him, but maybe wait um, till the All Star break when it's a little yeah, bit more yeah. sensible. But uh, mainly, it was just it was weird. I think that's the only real thing I have <laughs> on it.
1: Yeah, and I have a couple things I want to get into there, but real quick, I want to get your thoughts on this, Red. Uh, what were your uh, what were your reactions when you saw this news break?
3: Yeah, the timing of it just really seemed like, I mean, it's just another loss to the Timberwolves. Like it's it wasn't like they were expected to win a bunch of games. And like this one loss was just so overwhelming that they had to get rid of it right that second. Uh, I completely agree that doing it during the all-star break would have made a little bit more sense. But I also kind of agree with the train of thought that if you know that he's not the coach of your future, like just get him out as soon as possible and get your guy in as soon as possible. Just so he has those extra reps. But I don't think doing that at the expense at like hiring him within eight minutes, like they definitely had their new girlfriend lined up when they dumped their old girlfriend. Yeah, right? exactly. Like there's no, there's no question that they were, they knew exactly what they were going to do. And I think you're absolutely right, Mark, in that David Vanderpool, even if Finch wants to keep him, I don't think he would stay. I don't think he would stay with the Timberwolves organization at all because you're right in that he was brought in on that staff for a reason and been talked about as a head coach. And then to be on the staff on the bench with the organization, familiar with the team, like all that stuff. And then to get not even really considered um, with the hiring process that was that fast in the middle of the season, it just, I, I can't imagine how, uh, how frustrating that would be for him but also when it comes to Ryan Saunders as the coach if i'm not mistaken there were some like rumblings of nepotism when he got hired in the first place like it wasn't it, it didn't seem like there was a great coaching search that went on when i think Tibbs was fired and Saunders was named an interim and then uh full time so it's not really surprising that it didn't work out but it just seems like a a, a, a struggling franchise continues to struggle and they just kind of ripped the band-aid off with Saunders at a pretty, I don't want to say inappropriate, but very weird time.
2: Yeah. And I think I, not to cut anybody off, but I think I would also say too, like, like you are saying about the nepotism, I would agree. Like there, I mean, that's been pretty blatantly clear. I feel like he would, he would not have this job if he's not Flip Saunders son and, and what Flip nope. Saunders means to, to that Minnesota team. That's from everything I know, Ryan Saunders is, awesome worker, awesome dude. He knows his basketball, but he was not ready to be head coach. Uh, and it has shown through, but I think at the same time too, like, it's still just the, the timing is, is awful. Um, it, curing, curing a mis- your original mistake by making another mistake. And I gr- granted Gerson Rosas did not hire Ryan Saunders, but um, yeah, you know, you can't cure one mistake by making another mistake. That's, uh, that's also pretty, tangible so I, I don't know that's all
3: i really have on that but it was a regardless. the optics of it the optics that, that's are so, awful optics yeah are so it's like awful. if you're it's one thing for like the rockets for instance to to guarantee boogie's deal and then try to move him somewhere else if they try to go younger like that is something that kind of rehabilitates your image a little bit but doing something like this is just i mean it just doesn't. It just doesn't look good. I, I don't think a lot of Minnesota fans are super happy with the way it went down. I think they should be excited about Chris Finch as a head coach because of the uh, the experience he's had in Denver and New Orleans and up in Toronto a little bit. Caitlin wrote a great piece about that while he was being considered for the Pacers. But I just, it's just the Timberwolves, man. I, like I don't know. Maybe this is the first wrong step to getting it right.
1: Well, and let me ask you this because. This is probably I, – I haven't turned on the TV at all, and I don't have any idea what anybody's talking about, but do you think this move was made because Carl Anthony Towns, that they feel the pressure of maybe losing him uh, eventually? I mean, I'm sure that
2: played a factor into it. I know Carl uh, Anthony Towns and Ryan Saunders had a really good relationship, though. Uh-huh. Um, I actually would argue that – and just from what I've heard, too, I mean, part of the reason Ryan Saunders is still coach or was still coach this far into the season is because of the relationship he had with Cat. Oh, wow. Um, but I also think if you really look at it, like there's no way that this didn't go through Cat, They're not going to make that decision without confronting him. And like Rhett said, I mean, it It was science field and delivered before they made that, uh, that decision at all, you know? So uh, there, there, he definitely was, was part of the decision-making process. And that's not to talk down on him at all. Um, but I'm just saying like, that's, um he definitely was part of it. So, I, of course, it, it factors in. And actually, in his presser last night, in the press conference before Ryan Saunders even got fired, uh, Kat talked about how important winning is to his legacy, um, and wanting to win in yes. Minnesota. So, I think that it's, uh, it's a little cryptic. Yeah. Um, so, not to, again, not to say anything on him, but I think it's, uh, there are a lot of things that point to, uh, to, to showing that this organization was ready to make a move before uh, it, it tipped its hand. So,
1: yeah. And so I guess my last question, which is trying to kind of bring it back to the, just the Pacers discussion. And we know with Bill Baino leaving, there is a vacancy on the uh, assistant coaching staff. Do you think David Vanderpool would be a guy that should be considered? I mean, I'm not sure if he'd want it, but if he's not going to possibly stay there with, uh, with Finch, is that a name that would be interesting uh, to you at all, Mark? I mean, just like, I guess
2: it's, it's hard to say. Cause I mean, he's not, as far as we know, he's still going to be on Minnesota's um, staff. So I don't want to like speak that into existence. Um, right. I hope that he gets to keep his job and things work through, but I also whatever makes him happiest, what I would want to. Um, but I mean, I don't know if you guys saw this. Lloyd was pissed on the timeline. Yesterday. Oh yeah. <laughs> and, yep. Rightfully so in my opinion, but that, that brings up a great point. Like David Vanterpool is like one of the most respected coaches in the league by players. Uh did a lot of great stuff um in Portland obviously um and has in Minnesota as well. Um it's hard to, I don't have a great feel for his X's and O's cuz he's not really been in. I mean Minnesota's defense has been not good, but it's hard to blame him considering the talent there uh, and he's technically de- the defensive coordinator. Um but ultimately, I mean he's great at forging relationships with players that fits in line with what Nate Bjorkman does and what the um, roster really wanted in moving on to a new coach. Um, So yeah, I think he would make sense.
1: Yeah. Red, what about you? Any thoughts on that?
3: I would say probably no because of his, like he's in line for a head coaching job, right? Like that that seems to be the next step for him. And so while it would be great to have him on the staff and build the relationships with the players and all of that, and maybe he would be a good uh, extra mind for defense and all of that, it just seems like he's destined to get a head coaching job at some point. And so at that point, it would be bringing him in for however long, and then he ends up leaving versus somebody who – uh, maybe around a little bit longer than that, but, uh, I mean, it, good coaching is, is never a bad thing. So if that's what it takes and he wants to leave there and come here and help out, then we'd more than happy to have. him.
1: Yeah. And so I want to get over to something really cool that happened over the weekend. It was miles Turner and his Venmo campaign. Hmm. I thought it was hilarious. A fan, you know, asked for money and he gave him a penny for his thoughts you know, what became a joke ended up becoming uh, an awesome thing for, for the, the, the state of Texas, raising $76,187.58. So just an incredible thing by the, the NBA Players Association and by Miles Turner and by all the people that gave. Um, what were your guys' thoughts? I'll start with you this uh, time, Rhett, on, on all of this that transpired with Turner creating this van, uh, Venmo campaign.
3: I mean, it's – I don't think there's anything other than it being incredible. Like, I mean, Texas is at home state. That's where he went to college and all of that. And so, for him to, first off, take somebody requesting $100 from him for losing the Bulls game and turning it into a joke and blasting that dude all over social media in, like, not a – I don't think it was a bad way. It was just a funny way, Uh, and I really enjoyed that. But then also to spin that into – raising money for people who really, really need it and going through some going through some stuff in his home state is just awesome.
1: Yeah, Mark? Yeah, uh, so
2: the first thing I want to say is that I thought it was great for Miles. Uh, I always love how he handles that kind of stuff, um, shows the person he is. Uh, really cool that he was able to turn it into this awesome thing, raising money for people who need it. Um, I really love that. I also want to say I am sick of people who – do the crap that the like whoever, like I did not find it funny at all that this person Venmoed Miles Turner because he does not know Miles Turner. He's not friends with Miles Turner. He found Miles Turner on Venmo and Venmoed him a a $100 request for quote unquote losing the game against the bulls. And I think that's pathetic overstepping boundaries and just blatantly wrong. And I appreciate that Miles was able to turn it into something funny, but like, I don't know. I really am sick of people doing stuff like that. It's a, it's a bad look. Um, but so you, props to miles.
1: You don't like adding people, Mark?
2: I don't. Oh yes. You're, you're, yeah. You, you noticed that too. Yeah. Um, so yeah, my mentions were very fun that day. I
1: I do not enjoy that at all. Believe it or not, who would have thought? <laughs> no, I think it's just childish Yeah, and it's just like, who cares? Like, especially when it's grown men that do it, like, that's just a problem to me. It's like, um, these are basketball players. Like, whoa. if they lose if they lose a game, who cares? It's not even the player's fault. Uh, it's, it's a team sport. So no one player ever loses a game as much as people like to try to point out whose fault it is for losses all the time. I mean, it's a collective effort. But anyway, now uh, now we're going to trans uh, – I don't know what I'm trying to say. We're going to go into a new transition is what I'm trying to say. We're going to transition into another and uh, in our biggest part of the, the show today. We're going to talk – Eastern Conference All-Star Reserves, and we can do Western if you guys want to as well, but I think it all boils down to is, do the Pacers get an All-Star? And I know this has been a very uh, interesting topic amongst Twitter, amongst all of you know the NBA, because there's a lot of good players in the Eastern Conference this year that are really trying to get on this reserve roster. So um, I guess, Mark, we'll start with you. Just uh, kind of break down how you picked your guys. And um, maybe just if you had any like people that you went head to head with trying to pick, like just kind of go through that and uh, let us know what you have for your uh, for your seven reserves. Yeah, Um.
2: so I think I would start by saying that I had, uh, the East was actually a lot harder for me to pick out than the West. Agreed. Um, I did this last week and it took, I mean, I put like a couple hours of thought into it. And I, I think the biggest thing that I want to say, there are more than seven deserving all-stars in the in the East. Um, and in the West, but it has to boil down to seven. Um, I think winning doesn't matter as much to me just because I think uh, it's overrated when looking at an individual. Um, You know, in some contexts, I think it's fair, but ultimately I want the people who are having the best individual seasons in the All-Star game, because that's what matters to me. Um, So my seven, because the starters are absolutely, you know, Kyrie, KD, Bradley Beal, Giannis, Embiid. I had James Harden, he's been absolutely fantastic in Brooklyn there's no way for him to not be on the roster
1: um well let most- me ask you this real quick do you think the coaches when when making that decision you know knock him a little bit because of how he handled things in Houston I mean
2: yeah but at the same time he's been so good in Brooklyn that there's no way to leave oh, him yeah. the roster it would be criminal um yeah. So I, I get where you're coming from though. I actually, I thought about that myself. Um, but at the same time I was like, yeah, it's enough to knock, knock him from, I mean, if he was having this year without any of that stuff at the beginning, like if you just factored in Brooklyn, I think he probably starts over Beal. Um, yeah, yep. I agree. I agree. Yeah. I, really I mean, cause he's that. been so good, but, uh, yeah, so it's James Harden for me. Um, I have both the Celtics, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum have had yep. fantastic individual seasons. Um, two of the best in the East, um, probably the two best wings, not named KD in the East. Uh, I also had Zach Levine because Zach Levine has just been on an, on one this year, like Mm -hmm. absolutely tremendous. Like his, uh, if you're doing like a statistical comparison, his, what he's doing this year most compares to like a Steph Curry MVP year, not another Zach Levine year. Like um, he's just been absolutely ridiculous in his shot making like basketball index for people who aren't aware. It's like uh, a I'm a nerd. It's another step up from basketball reference and I pay for it. So that's probably why, if you don't know about it, that's why um, they do fantastic work. If you're like super into stuff like I am, go get it. But the, the way to look at it is Zach Levine is in like the 90, 90th to, to 100th percentile in terms of every three-point shot taking data point that that you can come up with. But then he's in the second percentile for openness rating. So in other words, he's one of the best three-point shot makers while also having the most contested looks Um, and that boils down to pretty much everything he's taking he's getting to the free throw line at a career high rate his defense has gotten better Uh, he's made leaps as a passer he's averaging almost 30 points per game on like 65 percent true shooting Um, to say Zach Levine isn't an all-star is just kind of heresy at this point he's been really really good Um, I also had Chris Middleton he's Averaging 50, 40, 90 on really damn good splits. Uh, I mean, on uh, with really good numbers. Uh, he plays above average defense. To not have him on would be dumb. I think he's just been so good this year and the efficiency matters. And you also look at what he's able to do in the games when, uh, not. I mean, he and Giannis, I think Giannis only missed like one or two games this year, but uh, when, the time he spends off, when Giannis is off court, he's good. Um, Chris Middleton is just a fantastic player. So I have him on. I know some people are a little bit more split on Middleton. Um, because he—I mean—you could say only averages twenty points per game, but I think he does a lot as a passer too, and he's grown as a passer this year. Um, and then my last player in the seven is Julius Randall. Um, Julius Randall went from being like Zach Levine, a guy who I just thought was kind of an empty calories player, um, and now Julius Randall is efficient. He's shooting incredibly well from three. He's made a huge stride there. He's getting to line a bunch. Um. He plays pretty solid defense. He's on the second or third best defensive team in the league. Um, And he's just, he's a really, really darn good player. Mm. Um, So I I can't fault that. Um, And then my last player is Nikola Vucevic. Ah, okay. Uh, And this is where I have gotten pushback from people on Twitter. Um, I think Nikola Vucevic has had a better individual season than Domas has. Uh, Domas is my first guy out. I know that's probably rough to hear. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to everyone <laughs> listening. Um I just think personally Nikola Vucevic has had a better individual year and you can bring up uh on-offs have been brought up that's because Orlando sucks. Their team is decimated yeah. by injuries. Um they would be right around 500, probably a little bit better, uh similar spots to the Pacers if their roster was fully healthy. I mean they're starting Gary Clark and Dwayne Bacon, guys who were <laughs> barely eighth and ninth men last year. So yeah. I don't think you can fault Vucevic for being on a bad team or a team that's riddled with injuries um, and say that it's his fault that they're playing so poorly. I mean, he's been just, uh, he's having a career year and I, I don't, I can't overlook that. Domas has been incredible. He's also having a career year, but he's really tailed off over the last two, three weeks. Um, and that has an impact for me. Yeah. Um, especially cause I mean, a lot of all-star voting is who's doing well at the time of voting, you know, who's really, so I, well, I think there's, I would not go, uh, I, I hit on this on my own pod today that's coming out shortly, but um, like, when you look at Domas, he's totally deserving of an all-star spot. I I don't like when people bring up defense because uh, they talk about defense in the wrong way with Domas. And I, so, I'm i sorry, I'm going on a big rant here, but this is important. Um, we talk about Domas's defense and we're like, oh, well, he's just not a good defender, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, I don't think that's fair. Um, he's in a really poor defensive context being asked to be out on the perimeter so much uh, Mm -hmm. not being able to rotate as a low man or just do things closer to the basket. And to his credit, he's like for, for, for what he's asked to do, he does a pretty solid job. And I don't think you can fault him for being put in a a context that really isn't the best for him. Um, Especially when you're looking at the defense and the on-offs are just weird because um, the team is not as good as they were last year. He's like when he's off the court, Oftentimes the bench is playing against a worse lineup. So they're going to play better. Um, you can't look at this Pacers team and say that Sabonis isn't the best player. You know, he has been this year. Yeah. Um, it's either him or Brogdon. It's a pretty close toss up, but um, I just think overall that that's how I would lean. Um, and it's not a slight to Domas. I hope people don't take it that way. Oh, I take it that way. That's fair. I just don't think he's <laughs> had as, as good of a year as a, as Nicole Vucevic has. And I know that's where it normally comes down to for people.
1: Yeah, so so Rhett, I'll let you go ahead and uh, reveal your uh, reserves.
3: This is a very not exciting podcast because I had the exact same lineup. Um, what? Which How, is, did you guys talk I, about yeah, this off air? We did not talk about no, this. off No, did not talk about it at okay. all. Absolutely talked about it. Did not talk about it at all. So a lot of the a lot of the same points Mark brought up, but I think that there's you can't not have Jalen Harden and Jason Tatum in there. Like there's those three. <laughs> will for sure make it.
1: Yeah, those are my three locks. I think Middleton yeah. should be a lock. He is in mine as and well.
3: That, yep, Middleton is also a lock. So what makes Middleton a lock for me is that he's their go-to crunch time player. Like yeah. he is their half court offense because we know what Giannis is offensively in the half court and it's just that's just not where he thrives. But yeah. it is where Middleton thrives. Like if you watch him when he is on, he is he is probably I mean, everybody's the most underrated player in the league when you talk about it because that's just how the league works. But Middleton is legit, and there's, there's no way he gets left off of my team.
1: Well, and let me ask you guys both this real quick before I you know, finish talking about the rest of my guys. When you went into your predictions, was this more of what you guys thought would happen or what you guys would do if you were picking? Because I think that coaches probably value winning, even though we try to play it off like it's not that important. I still think coaches really do. Like you look at a team like Philadelphia and you guys only had one all-star on their team. And it's like most of the time when it's a team like that, you don't usually see just one person make the all-star team, especially when a guy like Ben Simmons, who's very popular, has already made the all-star game before, is on that roster. And I feel like sometimes coaches uh, try to reward winning. And that, to me, has been evident over the past couple of years. Like Bradley Beal not making it last year, even though he was having a ridiculous year. Um, so that's why I'm curious, did you guys do it on your predictions or how you thought the coaches would, uh, would vote? Oh, it was strictly on my predictions. I I personally don't care what the coaches think. Okay. (laughs) Well, that, that kind of goes into how I thought for me, because it is, it is a little personal, but I also think like the coaches do reward winning. And so, you know, neither of you guys had Bam on your, on your list. And
3: he was my first out over Domas, which is going to be a pain. Yeah,
1: a he would probably here, be but... my
2: first out over Domas as well. I about it. So, I, I... And so
3: Mar- Sorry, Alex. Mark, when you're talking about defense, talking about how Domas isn't a good defender, I- when I'm normally talking about that, it's normally because somebody's comparing him to Bam. And
1: oh, Bam no, yeah. I didn't mean that to you. Defender, I meant it.
3: Not even close. No, yeah. no, no, I know. I'm just saying yeah. that's where I'm at.
2: Yeah, I just mean, like, in general, when people – because I get really frustrated, like, you can't bring up Miles or Domas without somebody thinking that – yeah you're yep. talking crap about the other. Um, but I just think, yeah, it's, it's so important to look at things contextually, but like you're talking about with Bam, like, I just think, um, yeah, he he's rough because he's made improvements this year and he's been really good, but he's also, his context has been different too because um, he's playing a lot more out on the perimeter, which hasn't been great for, I mean, it's, it's been fine for him individually. He's been good, but it's not been as good for Miami, um, but they've, just ask them to do that more um because they they really lack a four this year, so he hasn't been playing as much five um I don't know i, I just think it's uh the defense is really good, but the offense isn't quite good enough to you know get him over somebody like votrivision and I think also too like def- defense just doesn't matter as much for the also game you or know, like the the offense is what gets you there defense is what helps you with deliberating this stuff right.
1: Yeah, no. And I I think it does. And so for me, this is how I kind of looked at it. And this is how I do things. I was looking at like, you know, like player comparisons, like I I did like battles, basically. So for me, it was like Levine versus Trey Young. And Trey Young, to me, is just not my favorite player. So I like Zach Levine, and I love what he's been doing this year. Um, I looked at Middleton versus Ben Simmons for mine and that's when I went with Middleton. I looked at Bam and Randall, and it's really hard to keep Randall off because of how unbelievable he's been this year and what he's been for the Knicks, so I think that there is probably more incentive to maybe actually pick Randall over Bam, especially with that New York market maybe, Uh, and just the way Tibbs has changed things too, and the way they're actually somewhat competent this year compared to previous years when they were a joke, and then um, I actually did do a little bit of a comparison between uh, Sabonis and, and Vucevic, and basically I was kind of looking in the coach's perspective, and this is probably the only way to me that I see any Pacer getting in is if they reward winning, and even though the Pacers are just a game above 500 right now, they, they're not playing great basketball, especially since they traded Oladipo, I just think that from previous you know results, they have rewarded winning. And it's – whether you like it or not, I just think that's kind of how it's always been for the coaches. And to me, it's kind of fair in a sense because I think players that are on winning teams should be – give a little bit of a reward. But then you look at a team like Toronto, and, I mean, they don't have anybody that we're even talking about around the bubble. I think Van Vleet's possible. Uh, Same with Gordon Hayward for Charlotte. They've been better this year. Um, But, yeah, it's just one of those things that's really hard to – sit there and, and figure it out in the Eastern Conference because there's so many good players. Yeah.
3: So for me on Philly, getting that second All-Star, I think until like a, maybe a week or two ago, Tobias Harris has been better than Ben Simmons.
1: Yeah. No. I and, agree. So,
3: but, and so it's kind of like you're, you're splitting the vote between Tobias and Simmons and that maybe why they don't get a second one. Same for Toronto when it comes to Fred Van Vliet, Siakam, or Lowry. I know Lowry's missed a ton of time. And Siakam was bad early season, so it's probably—I I shouldn't say probably—it's definitely Fred. But it's—it's it's because of splitting the votes like that that it, it makes it tough for teams like Philly and Toronto to to get in there with an All-Star,
1: even if they do have a good
2: record. Yeah, and it's tough too because, like you're mentioning with with Philly, like I mean Simmons has been like the last week and a half he's been on a tear. But he started, he started out the year pretty poorly, at least offensively. He was really good defensively, of course, because that's what he does. But offensively, he started off really slow, looked not aggressive at all. He's picked it up lately. Um, but Tobias Harris was awesome out the gates. Both guys have kind of just trended in opposite directions now. And like you mentioned, Rhett, I mean, I think if, uh, if they're on separate teams, you look at it differently. Um, but they kind of take away from each other a little bit. Um, and with Toronto, too, they were just so bad to start the year. And, again, it's not that winning – like winning, like we mentioned, winning doesn't necessarily matter as much to us. But, I mean, individually, like, Fred VanVleet's been pretty good this year. I just don't think quite all – Can't level. put him in over
3: Levine or Trey.
2: Yeah, exactly. Like, he's been really good. I don't think he's been better than Trey Young. But I also don't think Trey Young has been as good as he was last year, and he's been a, a part, of the, pro, part of the problem in Atlanta. Um, yeah. And then I think – I mean, Pascal Siakam, if you look over, like, the last month, yeah, but then he was – Really, not good for the first two or three weeks of the year, and Kyle Lowry's just missed too much time. He's only, I mean, he's played 25 games, but he's Same been, out line of a bunch. And yeah, like Jimmy. I'm sorry, you can't put Jimmy in, he's
1: missed way too much no. time, no matter like, how much Hollinger wants it, right?
2: Yes, yes, I totally agree. Also, I, I can't wait for you guys to hear what Tom had to say about John Holland. <laughs> um, but
1: yes, yeah, good, I can't wait stuff. either. No, I, I've been waiting for Denary to roast him uh, like he did last year when they. I think.
2: And... Uh, I think. I think. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm not. I, f- I. feel like Chris. That that was pretty untamed for Chris. So it was. It was I, not. I don't know if he's going to do that again.
1: Yeah, and it might be different since Hollinger is a a former executive, where where Duncan is just a podcast guy. But, uh, let's go to the West real quick. Don't want to get into too much of a debate here, but just curious. I'll start with you, Red. Who were your Who were your seven reserves for the West?
3: Uh, so. I think you've got to have – got to have a jazz player. And it's kind of the same thing with the Philly getting the second all-star between Gobert, Mitchell, and Conley. But I think Gobert's been their best player by far, and he just – he should get in. Um, Next, I think Chris Paul. He's just been better than Devin Booker this year. I'm sorry. It's just – I just don't know. Uh, I think Chris Paul has impacted that team. To a degree, to, it's tough to, if you're going to put a Phoenix Sun in there, it's tough to leave him out unless you just go for it. the the scoring factor and the wow factor of having a guy like Devin Booker uh, in the All-Star game. And then, uh, I mean, Paul George has to be in. He's having a great, great season. Can't, can't really do anything about that. And then AD will get in but won't play. So probably going to put a Zion in there for him. And then uh, – I don't really know. I, I really struggle with the with the last spot or two. So I'll I'll stop talking about it and let Mark uh Mark get some numbers, and hopefully make my decision for me.
2: Yeah. So um this one the West is way easier for me than the East, just because there are less guys to pick through. I think the, what I do is I start deducing, okay, well, what is this guy's argument for, for being in and why wouldn't I put him in? Um so I think I look at Brandon Ingram has been really good this year. He's doing a lot of what he did last year. Um, I think he's averaging 24, 25 points per game right now on uh, above league average true shooting. So very good. His shot making is really good. But I think you also look too, over the last two weeks, the Pelicans have handed the keys over to Zion. He's doing a lot more with the ball in his hands. He's running pick and roll. He's handling stuff from the post, similar to how Domas does in in slightly different ways, obviously. But um, the team has been better with him doing that. So I think Zion is an all-star for me because he's been so good this year uh, and Brandon Ingram's out. Shea just alexander has been really, really good this year. I think in going back through and, uh, you know, I've watched a, a little bit of Oklahoma City this year, not as much as I'd like to, but they've just been um, not a team I'm as focused on. Uh, but SGA's made a lot of improvements. He's been really good, but he's out right now with injury. And also he's just – he's not – at the same level of Chris Paul, Uh, Chris Paul, easy. in for me, like Rhett mentioned with Devin Booker, um, Chris Paul is still the best player on that team, even though, I mean, he's not averaging the same points. Um, He's just, he impacts that team a little bit more than Devin Booker does. Um, And I think Chris Paul has to be there, especially too, like his last two weeks have been absurd. I think, Oh man, he's been awesome. Yeah. Phoenix is like 11 and two in their last 13 and he's shooting like uh, like over 50% from the field, over 50% from three. Uh, like I don't think he's missed a free throw in like a week and a half. Um, he's been incredible. And he's still an impact defender. It's hard for me to not put him in, or not that it's hard for me to not put him in. I wouldn't not put him in. Uh, double contractions for the win. Uh, I think Rudy Gobert has <laughs> to be in. Rudy Gobert is the best player on the best team in the West. And more importantly, Rudy Gobert is the top, probably 10 player in the league right now. Top 15. Mm-hmm. Um, he's probably going to win defensive player of the year and I would have him in my top six or seven on my MVP ballot um so yeah Rudy Gobert is an all-star Paul George is an all-star he's been insanely good this year he's been just as good as Kawhi but a little bit down like I mean he's because he doesn't shoulder the load as much as Kawhi um he's fantastic uh it's there's no way for me to not put him in and then obviously Luka Doncic is in. Oh wait, no, Luka got the uh, starter. Luka, Luka started. I had Dame starting, so Dame is my Dame is my first guy off. Yeah, um, because they're stupid and put Luka in instead, even though Dame should be in. But uh, my last All Star spot goes to Demar Derozan.
1: Um, Interesting. Okay,
2: Demar Derozan's been fantastic this year. His county stats aren't anything crazy. You know, it's like twenty five and six, six or seven. Um, but I mean, he's been incredible this year. His defense isn't anything to write home about, but he's taking the game winning shots for a team that is sixth in the West. And he's been better, I think, than Devin Booker this year. Um, So for me, he's my last guy. in. And I I also had Donovan Mitchell. I forgot to say Donovan Mitchell, um, because I think he's been really good as well. And I'm fine having two jazz players. Um, But yeah, DeMar DeRozan, I guess, is probably my most controversial take. I haven't seen as many people say him, (laughs) but I think he's been really good this year.
1: Yeah, and before I let you pick your last two, Brad, I'll just go and say mine real quick because I, I haven't really watched a lot of Spurs this year, so that's just my fault. But um, I, I have Dame, CP3, Mitchell, Gobert, Paul George, Anthony Davis, and then I went ahead and put Devin Booker in there as well. Um, but I did a little, put a little asterisk next to Anthony Davis because of the injury replacement. Oh, yeah, and, I didn't include AD because I just figured injury replacement. But, right, right. Obviously. right. So, so I, I had Zion or, or maybe Mike Conley. And, you know, Conley is a guy that I just feel like had been playing, he's been playing so well for the Jazz, and it's you don't usually see three players like uh, like that make it. You know, you're not talking like three all star, like superstar level players like Brooklyn has. So, Mike Conley is a, a stretch, especially at this point in his career because he's a little bit older. But I just feel like you know, he's been really, really deserving of it before, and what he's been doing for Utah has been fantastic. So, I, that's why I have him in there as an injury replacement possibility. But I think I would give Zion the, the uh, the the edge over Mike Conley.
3: Yeah, I really want Mike Conley to get in just because I I think to the Jazz, Conley has been better than Mitchell to a certain point. I know Conley's hurt now, and that's definitely going to hurt his case. And he shares the floor a lot with Gobert almost exclusively. So there's a lot of noise to those numbers. But uh, I forgot to put Dane in. I didn't forget to put Dane in. I forgot to mention Dane. Like I said, multitasking for the win. But you mentioned DeMar, Mark, and I think that that is something that I wanted to talk about with the East. Expectations should matter because the Spurs were not supposed to be good. The Knicks were not supposed to be good. And Julius Randle and DeMar DeRozan are the best players on those teams that are exceeding expectations to a pretty surprising degree. Like the Knicks are seventh right now, and they're a game or two games behind the Pacers. Yep. Like,
2: and the season I, series I, is tied don't forget so. They,
3: exactly so like i don't really want to talk about a head-to-head matchup like that i don't think that should matter when it comes to uh the, the all-star voting but expectations should matter if the team was expected to be bad and there's a player who's the main reason why they aren't and they're they're just exceeding those expectations i think they should be rewarded with an all-star
1: appearance. yeah so so are you saying that demar is in your uh, in your all-star team now
3: yeah, I think I think so. I I had two spots left, so Dame and Demar uh, make those two, I believe. Uh, if not, then I'll I'll just deal with the Twitter flag later. <laughs> is there
1: is there any like what about like De'Aaron Fox, somebody like that? Are there any guys like that? Like I know you mentioned SGA Mark, uh, like any younger guys that you know? Should I maybe think De'Aaron some...
2: Fox is probably my first guy out. He's been yeah. really really good this year, but Sacramento slid over the last week and a half. Um, not i mean his individual play's been good but his pull up three is uh taking a little bit of a hit which was part of the reason i had him in because that was such a big reason for why he was um playing so well but i still think he's been uh he's been like very deserving of an all-star selection
1: yeah and, and san antonio they really probably do deserve somebody at least to represent because they've been playing so well and above expectations for sure like like you said rip it and I know it's really funny to look at the, the home and away record stuff, but like San Antonio is nine and three on the road. <laughs> like <laughs> that's just wild. Is and and they're kind of a team that nobody really expected anything from this year. Maybe a team that everybody kind of expected to fall off a little bit. I don't know. They're just a hard team to try to wrap your mind around because they got some good young players, but they don't really have a championship level team, obviously, but they've got a competitive team. Uh, just talking about the Spurs in general, Mark, do you, do you think the Spurs are a team that ends up making the playoffs at the end of this season?
2: Yeah. I mean, I don't think they're just overperforming. Um, like, they've had guys who have missed time. Like, LaMarcus Aldridge has not been good this year, um, which has been sad to see because I love LaMarcus Aldridge and watching him play. Um, he's been a huge negative for them. Uh, and missing time was actually kind of good for them because I got to see what their lineup looks like with Yaka in they're a legit good team. Like I, I think um, like if, the, if this team had played, if these teams had played tonight, like they were supposed to the Spurs and the Pacers, I think the Spurs probably would have won. I would have put my money on them uh, in the current construction, I should say, not with TJ and Karras obviously, but in the current iteration of the Pacers, this Spurs team is better um, and they're really athletic. They're just a fun team. I think they're very hard to compete with. Um, and they're they're not just it's they've done it for enough of the season that I don't think it's just a fluke. You know they've had guys right. who have statistically regressed, and they've still been good. Um, so I'm interested to see what they come back looking like after they had three games get called off. Uh, so they're not playing again until uh, later on this week. But uh, they're a good team.
1: Yeah, no, I don't no. think
2: they're a title contender or anything, but I, I think they'll make the playoffs.
1: And that's good because they the, when the Spurs are fun. I I think when they're when the Spurs are good, they're more fun to watch. Obviously, but just the way they play basketball, it's 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 a different style than you're seeing a lot nowadays. And some of the young guys they have in their team for me are just really exciting. I mean, Kelton Johnson is uh, someone I really like. Can I can I ask you something? Is yeah. It-
2: are Rhett and I finally get our apology from Pacers Twitter for wanting DeJounte Murray to be a Pacer? I was we, into we, that mark. DeJounte Murray has to been it. their second best player. I mean, he, there's an argument no for him as their first best player. He's made a lot of improvements this year. He is good. And I really would like, I'm going to send this. I have to remind me, I'm going to message Tony as soon as I get off here, too, because he clowned me as well. Um, we were right, right? and it's not about being right. It's just oh, I know. important. Dejounte Murray yep. is a really good basketball player.
1: What was your trade idea again, Rhett, for Dejounte? It okay, was. Well, we don't have to talk about that, but you know. Yeah, yeah.
3: it was. Uh, it was Aaron Holiday in a second. Let's just go with that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, Aaron Holiday has been inconsistent this year, but I do think that the Pacers maybe having another another uh, playmaker in the backcourt would be really beneficial for. Brogdon because that is something that I just feel like he's really been struggling I know that he had a great game against Minnesota and so did Domas but it was just one of those things with with Brogdon you're just starting to see once Vic left just having that secondary playmaker with him has has really hurt him but yeah so this wraps it up for another episode of setting the pace you can find Mark on Twitter at M. Schindler NBA and Rhett at Rhett underscore Bauer I'm at Alex Golden NBA and we will talk to y'all next week Sugar Ray Leonard Roberto Duran Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. This
0: is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine,